0: Hi, listeners. This is Josh Zygmunt, host of the HR Works podcast and content director of the HR Daily Advisor. Welcome back to another great episode of the HR Works Showcase, where we team up with the brands you know and love from the world of human resources and people operations, handing over the mic and letting them hit record for a change. These are the episodes produced for you and by you, the great members of this HR community. Today we're sharing episode eight from Bamboo HR's podcast series, The Era, a podcast dedicated to exploring the employee experience. Bamboo HR's CEO, Brad Rencher, takes a closer look at the importance of positive corporate culture, something that's just as valuable for teams of two employees as it is for a global workforce of over 2 million. Brad is joined by his friend, former colleague, and current Chief People Officer of Walmart, Donna Morris, and the two discuss how building toward common goals of diversity and elevating employee culture can impact workforces of all sizes. Let's check out the episode.
1: Welcome to the era where
2: Brad Renscher, CEO of Bamboo HR, asked the question, does putting employees first really lead to better business outcomes? We think we know the answer, but let's dig in and find out.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the era where we explore the impact of employee experience on business outcomes and what that means for business owners really across the United States and across the world as you look to build your business and your culture and move that forward in a dynamic and changing market. Today, we are so lucky to have Donna Morris who leads the entire people function at Walmart. So you think about what type of scale Donna thinks about 2.3 million employees across the world 1.6 1.6 million in the US, which we believe to be, and they believe to be the largest private employer in the US. So when you think about in people programs and employee experience, just someone who is at the at at the forefront of imagining what's that what that's going to be for millions of people. At Bamboo, our mission, we talk about setting people free to do great work. And you think about Walmart's opportunity to do that with millions of people, it's just an exciting canvas that we get to talk about today and and dive into. Now, if you'll let me have a quick private aside. Donna and I also worked together for almost 10 years um, at Adobe. So not only is Donna Morris an exceptional professional executive and she's got amazing accomplishments, she's also my friend. So this is an extra special episode for me. So Donna, welcome to the era and thanks for being here.
2: Brad, thank you so much. And you're absolutely right. And I remember so fondly having you join Adobe and it was a total highlight. So I'm really honored to join you and I'm super excited about what you're doing at Bamboo HR.
1: Well, Donna, let's jump in because as I told you, as we were preparing for this, you started, when I think about my recognition of employee experiencing the importance to business, you really come to top of mind because you were talking about this before I think many people were. And I'd just love for you to, to maybe just start there. What does an employee experience and the importance of that, what does that mean to you?
2: Well, I think ultimately any company that's in business, unless it's a company of one, requires others to actually align to deliver a service or products to end users, otherwise known as the customer. And in my mind, they're so connected, meaning the stronger you can create the experience for your associates, the more likely it is that they will deliver a great service or product to your actual customers. And here at Walmart, we have an overall purpose, and it's to help people save money so that they live better. And we tend to attract people who are aligned to that purpose and live our values, that really view their role as delivering a service to our customers in our communities all across this country and the markets in which we serve. And the more you can lean into providing an essential, I believe, opportunity for your associates, the more that that gets imaged to your customers and in our case, our communities. You know, I think we would all agree that we could create a kinder more unified environment in which we're all operating today. And I think we all play a critical role in, frankly, the well-being that we
1: have of the associates that work for us. I love that. And you think about the the life of an associate today or a life of an individual employee at Walmart today. I mean, the last couple of years, let's just face it, they've been tough. And a lot of our audience are also in businesses where you have to deliver a service to where you didn't quite have the luxury of every employee staying home during the pandemic. You had to really be on the front lines of providing these critical services and products to the market. How, you know, as you as you reflect back on the last couple of years, you know, what has that meant to you to have, you know, some of the associates be on the front lines and, and the impact on their experience and well-being?
2: Well, first and foremost, Brad, you know, in our case, the majority continued to, frankly, go into a workplace the big percentage of that 2.3 million in fact probably 90% go into facilities and continue to go into facilities our stores our clubs distribution centers fulfillment centers across the markets in which we operate and we viewed that those of us that frankly were fortunate to take our work home we viewed the frontline as our heroes because they continued to serve and what was essential from the very start was well-being not only of our associates, but the customers. We were one of the first employers to actually make the determination that PPE, wearing masks, was really important, even before the CDC did. In early March, we rolled out what we called our COVID emergency leave policy to support associates that needed to stay at home because they were ill and or they had concerns about the virus. And I would underscore that the emergence of well-being being one of the most critical factors that workforces and workplaces companies can provide to employees has ascended as, I think, one of the top priorities for most organizations today. And, you know, for ourselves here at Walmart, what we realized is it's not just your physical well-being, but it's your emotional well-being and it's your financial well-being. In the last two years, We've all continued to be agile in, you know, whether it was the economy in March 2020 that was soft, whether then it became robust, whether it was the tragic murder of George Floyd, whether it was the acts on the Capitol, all of that played out and took an emotional toll on people as did the physical aspects of the pandemic. And so very long answer, but to me, It shows that humanity is really at the heart of what all of us need to do. And we here at Walmart have always believed that our people were our most important asset. In fact, Sam Walton, our founder, really underscored that. But the last two years, it became essential that we leaned into doing everything that we could to really make our associates feel that they were valued and view that they
1: were valued. So much to to talk about there. And you think about the kind of the definition that you just gave around employee experience—you talked about an emotional framework, a financial framework, and a physical framework—and how do you think about that at different moments in time? I think really provides a, yeah, a great framework for you know, and at, at someone leading the people function at any size organization. Because so many times we just we kind of we focus on one and forget that oh, actually they are a real person with multiple different dimensions and feelings and thoughts and. Um, how, you know, it's interesting how you've kind of brought that to bear um, and how you think about your associates and your your people.
2: And then, of course, there's the life cycle of activities around that, right, Brad? Like you're hiring people, you're developing them, you're rewarding them, you're offboarding. But if you step back and say the experience really is all of the, you know, even things like psychological safety in the workplace, the ability to express your points of view the ability to bring your authentic self to work all of those manifest in well-being and frankly they all speak to the experience that you're providing to
1: your your overall employees what we call associates here at Walmart and so Donna you you you're, you're leading the global people team how do you as an organization look to impact that daily employee experience. If you're working at a company of 20 people, it's daunting to think about that for 20 people, but you think about that across millions. How do you align and get things done to that, that can impact an individual at something that big? Well, I think
2: it's really important to, regardless of your size, consider what priorities will help drive the business outcomes that you're working towards. You're always going to have to hire people, as I mentioned. You're always going to have to reward people, grow people. People are going to leave your organization. But the way we look at it is we have four strategic priorities that underscore the bulk of the work that we drive within our function. And those four are digital, growth, inclusion, and well-being. And I'll sort of walk you through those high level and they're specific to what the business outcomes are here at Walmart. Those same four will likely look different at different companies based on what their business needs are. But for Walmart, we're in the midst of really evolving as a digital retailer and we have a number of different digital businesses including our health and wellness business that's both physical and digital. We have a financial services business that is primarily digital. We have a digital advertising business. We have a marketplace business, and we have our retail stores and our clubs. So, digital speaks to the fact that our associates need to be part of that digital journey. They need to acquire new skills and capabilities, but they need to be equipped to work with a digital technology they might not have worked with before. And so, an example is in the last two years, we rolled out an app that we call Me at Walmart and we gave out more than 900,000 Samsung devices. And that mobile device helps to actually enable our frontline associates on the job. It helps direct their work. It provides the ability to change schedules or shifts. It triggers advertising and reminders to them about personal aspects of their work. I'm not recommending that this be done by companies of different scale, but for us, that allows us to both have our associates engage with digital technology for their work, but also for their life. So we view it as as an engagement vehicle. Growth really talks about the fact that we believe we're a path of opportunity for individuals. I think a lot of people come to a company because they wanna make impact and frankly, they wanna acquire skills. And we're harnessing that here at Walmart by viewing that whether you're a minor and this is a part-time job, whether you're a skilled technology expert, whether you're in legal or marketing, or frankly, where your career after you've worked, we wanna make sure that you've got a path of opportunity, a way by which you can grow your career. And so we're looking at ways on the job, once again, through devices and other avenues, through what we call our academies, which are basically specialized training around specific retail skills and then a program that we call Live Better You. And Live Better You provides the opportunity for our frontline associates to either finish their general education, so high school or certificates or degree programs that once again will provide a path of opportunity for growth. For instance, we have more than 500 associates studying to become cybersecurity experts that will eventually move from frontline into our global technology team. And so that's about growth. Inclusion is about creating an environment for everyone. And that's where I would strongly recommend any organization at any size has the opportunity to create an environment where people can bring their authentic selves and really bring out what the best of each individual person is. And that in and of itself brings diversity because we all have different experiences. And then back to well-being, you know, this really emerged as we were early on thinking about the pandemic and what we were going to do. And we realized once again, the physical, the emotional, the financial well-being, the end of the day, that's what it's about for individuals beyond work. So those are our four key priority areas. And we deliver programs that are concerted to serve our businesses and to align with really what the needs of our people are. And they ladder into each of those areas.
1: Donna, that's that's amazing. And can we go all the way back to why, like on these priorities, because different businesses might have different priorities. Correct. So you said something at the beginning, you were like, it's important for HR leaders to have priorities that they align on that are tied to business outcomes. ultimately,
2: The function, the people function, HR, employee success, whichever way we want to call the function, exists to serve the needs of driving the business results. We really do. And how do we do that? Is we do it by ensuring that the business has the people to actually deliver on those results. And the people come from our ability to attract and to retain and to develop individuals, to reward them, and very deliberately. Whatever the size of the organization, my my appeal would be the more, you know, business, the more you're able to apply that to really what you need in your people. And, you know, in some ways, I think, Brad, the very best people leaders are individuals that first start in the business. And I'm sure a lot of your customers and your partners are individuals that didn't they may have found themselves into HR by happenstance. And what I would say is, well, I'm sure they're doing a great job because they know their business and they've had to really lean into a challenging period of time that some of us who've spent our entire years in HR have been navigating. And you likely serve customers that really their core job was managing their business. And that also included managing their people. And so the more they're People outcomes are tied to those business outcomes, the more they'll have success.
1: And what would you say to one of those, those HR leaders that it just, you know, kind of came from, I I didn't expect to be here. What would you say if they're holding back on getting into the business or like they're like, well, no, like HR is not really in the business? What would you say to someone who's early in their career, or maybe they're just not as confident in being tied to the business as? maybe they need to be. What would you what advice would you give them?
2: I would say that the last two years has underscored that people in any organization are at the heart and soul of success. And you're having the opportunity to shape the lives and the outcomes of your business through your people and you'll be able to leverage these experiences whether it be a continued journey in human resources people or you leverage this to be a really effective leader. And Brad, as you and I know, it's not easy to be a really effective leader. And to be an effective leader can be that you're leading a team of three, five, 10, 100, 1,000, whatever that number is. Leadership is all about serving others with humility and with a focus on their outcomes and their success. And I think you can get all of that experience by a stint in HR.
1: Yeah. And you also mentioned something, then I want to get dive into some of these priorities that you have. But you said, you said something earlier to where people is now a conversation at at, at every executive team and in every kind of boardroom. What do you think that conversation is today across the, you know, across the U.S. and across the world? Like, what do you think is happening inside of the executive, executive room, the boardroom around people? Like, what is that conversation?
2: Well, you know, if you roll back the tape, even two years, right, all of a sudden, around business tables of any size, they're talking about continuity plans because of COVID. They're talking about how they protect the well-being of their customers and, frankly, their business by virtue of the fact that we had a pandemic and we never knew when it was going to end, when the vaccinations were going to come how they were going to open depending upon where they operated in the country and or in markets. So there was a, an absolute focus on business continuity, and it was all tied to people. I think now the discussions, and rightly or wrongly, increasingly tables around the country and around businesses are fo- are focused on, frankly, having to navigate issues we never had to navigate before. You know, we weren't talking about racial equity at tables. We weren't necessarily talking about outcomes of legislation and how that might impact different populations. And those have all become discussions that are happening at at boardrooms around the country at all different sizes is how do we keep on driving our business? How do we attract people in a very dynamic market? I think there wouldn't be a boardroom around the table that's not talking about the hot labor market, despite inflation and ra- rising salaries and rising costs of transportation for people to get to work or food prices, et cetera, all of that has impact on people. So I think people has really risen to the top agenda around tables of all sizes around the country and, and around markets.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like we've seen the same thing to where it used to be, Donna, going in the Wayback Machine where you and I were before at Adobe, we would talk about what were the technology agenda topics inside of boardrooms across the world? And it was, how are we going to drive digital transformation, move to the cloud, security? We don't want to have a data breach. And then we talked about customer experience. It's like, how how do we use digital technologies to drive a better customer experience? I think you're exactly right. People is now, first and foremost, the topic that every executive team and every board of directors is talking about for all those reasons, this dynamic market. I mean, it really has been unprecedented. Sometimes I think about all those HR and people leaders out there and just say the last couple of years has been like, you know, an entire career's worth of change and growth.
2: Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I think back because Brad, I wish I was super young, but I'm not anymore. And I think of whether it was the recession, you know, the tech boom and bust. I hate to say it. I worked when everybody was trying to hire Y2K programmers, some of your (laughs) individuals that are listening probably weren't even born or they were very young. So Y2K, and then it was 2008, 9, 10, you know, the financial market crisis, the housing crisis. Um, And so we've had all kinds of periods. Never have we had a period as intense as we have had. And to your point, it all comes down to the viability of your business based on people. Do you have people to actually sell to, deliver services to, and do you have people to actually deliver those services and products and, you know, business aspects to? It's it's tough out there. I mean, in terms of attracting, retaining, differentiating, it goes back to the experiences. How do you differentiate to attract the people and retain them in your workplace?
1: Yeah. And you think about that employee experience tied to business outcomes, which goes back to your priorities. Like- how are we trying all of the work that we do to those to those business outcomes I, I mean that is that is again back to the the hypothesis of this conversation the podcast is all around is really all around that topic but what do you, what would you say to those those people leaders that have gone through the last couple of years you said something in when as we were preparing in your two decades or three decades whatever your you count as your career it's been as crazy as you've ever seen it
2: Oh, yeah. The most challenging time. I would express my gratitude. I mean, I actually am pretty honored to be part of the profession at this point in time. You know we used to have Dilbert cartoons and often, Brad, rightly or wrongly, <laughs> they'd be about the personnel officer. And or like, you know, a show like The Office, like who wants to go there? And now all of a sudden, people are realizing like, wow, people are the most important asset. You really have to be deliberate in terms of how you're thinking about your ability to maintain your business because you've got to attract people, got to make sure you're paying them correctly. You've got to safeguard their well-being while they're at work. You've got to be considerate of the way they're living their lives outside of work, all of this. And so I express my complete gratitude. And frankly, I hope just like other professions, there's something that happens that becomes the lightning bolt or lightning rod, so to speak for people to be attracted into the profession. This could be our opportunity. This could be our moment where people say, you know what, I was really thinking of being in finance or really thinking about being in marketing or really wanting to do this other area. No, actually the people function is right there. Not to mention back to a lot of big trends that we've talked about. Technology is disrupting the function. And this is a good thing because that means that we can apply our capabilities on that foundation of technology. We no longer need to spend our time, perhaps, you know, digging for information on employees. We can have a system that leverages it and we can work above that. And we can actually be looking at the insights that are being driven to actually run our businesses, which is really good.
1: And Donna, you think about this and, you know, and people might look at, well, Donna, like, Donna's doing this cause she's at the biggest company. Like she can do all these things because she has all these resources at, you know, at Walmart. and. But like you've also been in small businesses.
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? Here's the thing. Even when I joined, you know, I had great tenure prior in my prior life. But one of the hesitations I think I had and other people had was, well, you had twenty five thousand employees and now you're coming to this bigger company. What I found, Brad, is the same type of challenges and the same focus around what really are the business priorities and what would be the people priorities, the same framework exists. It just gets applied to different locations. So I wouldn't want to say, and to say, well, yeah, you're lucky because you can throw all these resources. Resources are always a challenge. You know, they're always a challenge. I mean, I arrived on the scene and our technology that we were using for the foundation for people had 100,000 associate information on it, and where was all the rest of the associate information? It was in scattered systems. Now we have 1.6 million, and I would say we're never happy or never pleased. So there's still opportunity. So I would appeal to everyone to say that's our opportunity. Don't think of it as a challenge. Don't think, well, one organization is more. We're all strapped. Let's face it. What we're trying to all do is be ruthless about our priorities to make the biggest impact.
1: And back to the priorities, because you were just kind of riffing on digital and and. What role technology should be playing for business executives, people leaders out there? And we still see thousands and thousands of companies that are still on spreadsheets and paper.
2: So if they've moved beyond the Excel spreadsheet and and, or they've moved beyond some other, you know, I'll call it operating system information, they're taking the step in the right direction to get all of their information together. And it's back to what you said, privacy the security of that information, the access of, to that information, you do have to have a foundational system to build upon, regardless of your size.
1: Let's talk about your one of your priorities around growth. We have, as part of Bamboo, we have an employee net promoter score feature and people use it. And so we can kind of start to see trends across millions of employees and how people are talking about it. And no matter if growth is a stated priority for the business or not, it's almost a hundred percent where growth and development is one of the areas where companies get the most feedback and so is it is it unsolvable you've you talked about some of those things that you're doing to kind of help on the you, you called it the path of opportunity but how do you think about the priority of growth and development and is there have there been things that you've seen done that that actually really move the needle because I know it's a frustration for people and for every employee too
2: And here's the other thing too, Brad, I think a lot of times when people think growth and development, they're actually thinking about the monies that they're earning. And so it ends up becoming a little convoluted. But yes, we're seeing success. We see success every day because fortunately, we're almost 60 years old. 75% of our managers and above started in the front line. So that is growth. So we get to, we're very lucky at our size and scale to see the success of people who being able to grow their careers within the organization. That being said, for as many success stories, there's people who are like, what about me? And so what I always say about growth is if you had a perfect ENPS rating in this area, I think you might be overdoing it <laughs> because it's equal parts. I know that sounds weird, but yeah, it's equal parts individual and employer. And as hard as it is, sometimes that great next opportunity is not going to be with the company you're with today. And none of us like to say it and none of us like to hear it. However, if that was a great experience, you go off and you actually become a net promoter and you actually back to associate experience, customer experience, next thing you know, you're promoting that business by virtue of the fact that you gained all that experience. You know, I like to think about it a little bit like alumni and you're a really proud alumni, Brad of BYU. And when you go to school and you're really proud of that time that you've had, you go off and you're still cheering for them, the games, you might go to homecoming, etc. If employers can create that same brand affiliation, that goes back to associate experience, that same brand affiliation, whether the individual stays with your company or leaves, that does wonders for your ability to continue to attract people, retain them. And then when I say ability, that's the same for customers. So I look at this and say you should strive to make sure that your company provides development in the areas that align to the growth of the company's needs. And then you should ensure that your employees are being provided with feedback and discussions about what their aspirations are. And ultimately, both parties have to play in this game.
1: There is some responsibility on both sides.
2: Yes, responsibility on both sides. So if you're at 50, 60, 70% in this area, you're probably doing fairly well. I don't know any company that's probably off the charts in this area.
1: And you mentioned some things, the these academies, some of the things you've done around higher education and completing degrees. How do you think about? Because there is a lot of, there's a lot of conversation amongst the employee, the benefit space, like do we need to do tuition reimbursement? Do we need to do student loan kind of debt repayment plans? How do you think about education as a benefit in today's day and age?
2: So what I would say is both both of those opportunities don't provide equal opportunity for all. Somebody that's getting a repayment for tuition and or a reimbursement, they've already been fortunate to go. What our focus on our education program is for those that otherwise would not have been able to actually acquire those skills. And I use skills deliberately, Brad, because I think the majority of jobs don't necessarily need the four-year degree programs. And if we really want to focus on opportunity for everyone, we need to lean in across sectors, frankly, around skills. How do we develop people's skills and how do we actually develop learning agility? So people are always learning and developing because Frankly, if we learned COBOL programming or basic programming, and now we're talking about Python, we're already at a date. So I think there's this aspect of what can companies do to really build ongoing learning capability? What can companies do to identify the skills that they need and really focus on learning opportunities so that collectively we're raising the bar of capability? You know, I, I guess we're very fortunate in that we've curated a program where people are working and they're learning at the same point in time and we deliberately made the decision that we're not, you know, reimbursing only because a lot of our associates would not have even been able to go had it not been the route that we take so i i do think it goes back to the type of company you are the type of workforce you have you know we have predominantly a frontline workforce that's very different than a workforce that is predominantly requiring four-year degrees and the approach that you might have to take.
1: So what I what I'm hearing you say is like, look, this this is not a one-size-fits-all. Don't look at what another company's doing in this space around growth and development and just rip and replace. Like it's not, it probably won't work. Look at what does the business need and align the growth and development priorities behind those those, whether it's skills or requirements, whatever that is, be really thoughtful about where you apply that those resources and focus.
2: Absolutely Brad, you know I think the biggest mistake any of us can take is the imposter syndrome. like we want to do the exact same because we view that this other company is having success. but that success based on what their overall purpose is, what their values are, what their actual business is, what their ability financially is, so I think the more each organization taps into what do they really need and what do they stand for, that in and of itself provides the opportunity to tailor programs that will really be aligned
1: to those business outcomes. Well, and Donna, I want to switch gears and go maybe hit on another one of the priorities around inclusion. And I know in addition to employee experience and well-being, you you talk a lot about DE&I. And it's one that you've um, spent a big part of your career, I think working on championing and actually building programs that I think move the needle. So what, what are your thoughts on business owners and people who are looking to tackle these, these issues, where to start, how to, how to move forward? What's your current thinking there?
2: I think my current thinking has continued to evolve, Brad, you know, and I want to share something that was a really big pivot point a few years ago. And that's that in tech women, often underrepresented. And we had a program where we were really, and this is prior to Walmart, where we were really leaning into, we need to build the capability of women. We need to really be focused on attracting women, et cetera. But we were doing that without thinking about the entire community. And my big message to all of the business leaders and those that are joining is, Think of your entire community and how can you all be allies for each other? And so it doesn't become we're trying to really build diversity by virtue of attracting these groups at the cost or the viewed being a takeaway from someone else. Instead, it's how do we all create the environment where we can bring out the best of each person and what they bring to the table and how can we all seek To be more representative of our customers and our communities. Because when you think about it, our customers and communities are very, very broad. So the more we can actually, each as businesses, reflect that, we can be very intentional about thinking about representation from the access point of not only gender, not only ethnic representation, but also career experience. You wanna have a range of career experience, you wanna have a range of life experiences, you wanna have a range of people who've had the opportunity to live in different parts of the world and the cultural experiences they bring, the languages that they bring. And so I think if anything, I've become more inclusive.
1: I was going to say, it's like, it's a very inclusive view of DE&I, right?
2: Yeah. Before I would have thought about how am I really trying to move the needle? And I think now I come from the lens of all. If you can really focus on all and you can really bring everyone in to bringing their own authentic self, you realize you actually already have more diversity than you might have thought. And in that, you end up extending the communities. I mean, there are some things that I would suggest for smaller businesses that they be aware of. For instance, referral programs, as great as they are to build your organization, often they come with an inherent bias that we like people who are similar to ourselves, which means we're probably not bringing forward as diverse candidates. So, an idea might be hey, what about a referral program that actually brings in your customers' ideas? Or what about a referral program that actually is generated by those that aren't directly full time employees, like university type programs and that type of thing? But I guess what I would suggest for everyone participating is the more we think of all and creating an environment where we're all allies, I think the
1: better. Donna, you're. You're amazing. And we could keep going forever because you just have such a rich experience set in and around so many of these topics. But maybe one final question. I'm going to ask you to like look into the crystal ball. Like Again, you're playing at a level of scale and that gives you, I, I think, just inside of where the world's headed. What do you think the future of employee experience looks like?
2: Well, I think the type of employee-employer relationships, as we know, are already being disrupted who we define as an employer versus a supplier versus a gig worker, a knowledge worker. So what I would say is I think the lines between employee experience and customer service and experience are going to continue to blur because I think increasingly your employees are going to be your advocates and they themselves are likely to advocate to your customers. And so one of my big predictions would be, the tighter and the more you can be focused on both the customer experience and the employee experience, and really trying to lift both, I think, the better. So I think that's one big trend. I think another is increasingly each individual is an asset. And I think employment types are going to continue to evolve, and that's going to bring about more complexity. But when you think about our desires for inclusive and diverse work environments, it actually could bring a lot of advantages in terms of how we consider that relationship. So I think that's going to continue to evolve. And then I would say third is there's so much work to be done, Brad, in the area of technology to manage people. I think we're going to see some of the biggest advancements in tech applied to people, which means we're going to have, hopefully richer insights around the effectiveness of programs, initiatives that will drive back to those outcomes, those business outcomes. So those would be some of the big ones. Ways of working changing, economies changing, types of work is changing, technology is changing, and that's going to all need to be brought together by people who are really in this function. So I actually think the job isn't going to go extinct. So that's really good.
1: (laughs) Job security for everyone.
2: there's job security there's job there will
1: be a job out there <laughs> Donna um again just my gratitude expressing my gratitude to you for joining this episode of the era I've seen Donna in action and you talk about a people-centric leader who's committed to individuals and having them make an impact in what they do she's led out uh, in ways that very few people leaders can so uh, just loved watching her on her journey and I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the era tune in next time as we continue to go deep on this relationship between employee experience and customer experience and business results. There's a broad canvas that we can double click into there and look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's HR Works showcase. And thanks again to our partners at Bamboo HR for sharing another great episode of The Era. If you've enjoyed this latest episode, be sure to check out the previous episodes of the HR Works Showcase for more great insight into building the employee experience. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the HR Works podcast channel for all your HR podcasting needs and to keep up to date with all of our latest shows from the HR Works podcast family. Until next time, this is Josh Zygmunt signing off.